The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by two very cool co-hosts. Lauren Ash. Nate Heininger. And this week, we are talking about Tux and Fanny. Tux and Fanny is a... I want to call it a point-and-click adventure game, but you're not really pointing and clicking in the traditional sense, so I'll just call it a... Uh, traditional feeling adventure game with many weird aspects to it from uh, Ghost Time Games and uh, director slash I guess now game developer Albert Birney or Birney I'm not sure how to pronounce his name apologies to uh, Mr. Birney what a strange (laughs) game (laughs) yeah I am uh, I am so glad that we we played this game and this is another uh, game that just really makes me enjoy doing this podcast because uh, I think on its surface, this is probably a game that I would not have. Uh, first of all, I may have never even heard of it, let alone uh, ever actually picked it up. In general, I'm not a huge adventure game fan, point and click or otherwise, um, but uh, we decided to do it for this show, and I am so glad that we did. Uh it is. Yeah, I have to put out a thanks to uh, Anna Anthropy for suggesting this game. And actually, she she tweeted at me sort of out of the blue saying like, hey, have me on the show to talk about uh, uh, Tux and Fanny and the way that the scheduling worked out. And that just didn't happen. So apologies, uh, Anna, for uh, for playing your suggested game without bringing you on. <laughs> we'll do that another time. Hey, um, but you but, brought us something weird and wonderful. I, I haven't seen a game like this since... Like I feel like I found these in the Wild West days of the iOS, uh, the Apple Store days. Like had a lot of these weird games in it, and I feel like they went from Flash to the iTunes Store, and then like flew off into the wilderness. <laughs> like I, I never expected to find something like this. Yeah, in twenty twenty two, it reminded me definitely of the Flash game, you know, universe, but. Uh, Incredibly polished and and way more engaging and more fun uh, than oh, than yes. most of those yeah. uh, flash. Yeah, games. No hate on flash game developers. Sure. Like there was some amazing stuff that was done there, but like this is such a strange and interesting thing. Um, so I I've done a little bit of of uh, research, I guess, about Tux and Fanny as a property. So it it takes a little bit of uh, a little bit of background might help here. Um, a lot of this is background that I did not have when I began playing the game. So um, I didn't have it all <laughs> play, yeah. while yeah. finishing the game. Yep. So. so not really required for enjoying the game, but it may shed some light on like what sort of thing this is and, and where it's coming from. Uh, so Albert Bernie, who is uh, the creator of Tux and Fanny, is a filmmaker uh, and animator. Uh, and um, he's had a number of, uh, of commercial or like uh, – you know, actual uh, feature films uh, under his belt as a director. In fact, he has a new one coming out very soon called Strawberry Mansion uh, that I actually have on had on my uh, like letterboxed uh, to watch list. You know, the the, the upcoming films watch list because it, it has a, a cool concept. It's a it's a movie about a a government. Uh, dream auditor coming to tax someone's dreams <laughs> sounds like something that <laughs> that could coexist with the uh, Tux and Fanny yeah um, 
uh, and he had a, a 2017 movie called uh, Silvio, uh, a movie about a small town gorilla that joins a local TV program and a series of on-air mishaps threaten to shatter his identity, sending him on an adventure of self-discovery where reality and fantasy start to blend. That's the kind of thing. By the way, Silvio is uh, in in uh, in preparation for their uh, for uh, Strawberry Mansion coming out in theaters. You can actually watch Silvio uh, in its entirety on YouTube right now if you look that up. So that's going away once uh, once Strawberry Mansion comes out in theaters. But if you if you have if you want to watch a small town gorilla join a local TV program, um, yes, that's available. Easy, easy, yes, <laughs> yes, right. Uh, and Tux and Fanny began as a film project as well, um, but it seems like the sort of thing that was like designed to be natively online, right? So uh, it wasn't a theatrical film. It was released first as a series of shorts on Instagram. Um, uh, which is where I watched. I watched most of that. Uh, you know, if you f- pull up Tux and Fanny, it's Tux underscore and underscore Fanny on Instagram. Uh, there's a huge chunk of this that is, this film that is available as just uh, Instagram Shorts. Um, but edit- edited together, it makes up an animated feature film, Tux and Fanny. It's like an hour and a half long, uh, and it's available on Vimeo uh, and for free. Um, and so it's really interesting. It. It has the same look as the game, um, and it has the same sound. It's very sort of, uh, very much sort of coexists with the game. You could look at them and instantly tell that they are the same thing. It has this sort of pixel art style, and and it feels to me as if you're sort of like accidentally found a uh, a, a weird old VHS of a Russian children's program animated on an eight bit computer <laughs> for television in, you know, in the Soviet union or something. Um, it, it's, it's very strange. And the longer you watch it, the more transfixing it is. It's really, it's really cool. Um, and I've, I've, uh, I've not watched it in its entirety. What I've watched is mostly the, the Instagram shorts. And I only realized a little too late for recording that, um, it actually is also a feature film. And I'm going to go watch that like as soon as, as soon as we're off of recording, because I, uh, I, I want to see more of Tux and Fanny, but that's all backstory. The Tux and Fanny video game, uh, is a prequel to the film. So it stands entirely alone. You have no need to know anything about, uh, Albert Birney or his work. You don't need to know anything about this sort of strange art film that this sort of grew out of. You don't need to know anything about the small town gorilla joining the local TV program. Um, you just need to know that Tux and Fanny uh, live in the forest and they want to play soccer, but their soccer ball is deflated and they will be going on an epic adventure to reinflate their soccer ball together as friends. And what an adventure it is. Um, yeah, that's really interesting about the the, the film. I also um, just learned about this uh, via Reagan learning about it right before we decided to record. Um, so I am very excited to dig into the Tux and Fanny universe, the extended Tux and Fanny universe. Uh, I'm, I'm all in. I'm, I'm ready for more. I hope that there are more games as well. It seems like he's building a bit of a a um, media empire here in this sort of alt comedy, strange <laughs> space that I am, I'm definitely here for. Um, you kind of touched on it already, but you know, with this game, like normally we talk a lot about gameplay first and then we get to 
design and sound and stuff like that near the end. But I actually think for this game, it almost makes more sense to talk about how it looks a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. And then we can talk about gameplay. Um, yeah. Laura, wh- you're good at explaining how things look. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Please. So Tux and Fanny are um, blobby stick figures. Take a stick figure, cover it in clay, and that is what Tux and Fanny look like. Um, in different parts of the game, you see different uh, materials they are made out of, but for most of it, they are uh, little pixel uh purple and pink creatures and humanoid stick figure blobs. And the world is pixel, but it's not a uh, very detailed pixel art. It's very thick, chonky pixels. <laughs> and, yes. um, I'm not saying that things um, I played on Switch, not saying you, you do have some things that are like one pixel wide, but they are not um, one pixel wide because they are delicately and intricately drawn. If it's one pixel wide, it is a stick um, <laughs> or it is a flower. You need to look at it in more detail as we might discuss later. Um, <laughs> the world is uh, rendered very lovingly, but very simply. Uh, and the trick of the game is that you start off in a house. Um, the central objective is, oh, no, we're, we want to play soccer. The soccer ball is deflated. You're going to spend the entire rest of the world exploring every nook of this map, um, looking for it. Your house, the area inside the fence, eventually it's an adventure game. This is not a spoiler. You get outside the fence. Uh, the world will continue enlarging. And it's a very brightly saturated world. This, this is not a world of sepia tones. <laughs> mm-hmm. Here's the trick, though. Um, this game does the thing I usually hate about adventure games, which is that there's a bunch of random rewards when you do stuff that seem disconnected to nothing. And turns it into a feature in which when you stumble upon something, you never know if you're going to get a beautifully detailed pixel art, a realistic photo, a claymation thing, uh, you know, an actual book. There's a lot of random elements. So this game takes this simple beginning and you honestly never know what you are going to get whenever you click on something. Uh, The variety is wild. Yeah. I mean, and that that's really the game right there is that variety, both in art style. Um, it always comes back to this central pixel art style, but you are constantly interacting with different art styles. Um, Collage, mixed media, yeah. uh, watercolors, uh, Cl- claymation, in a book. puppetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you all got to the puppetry part, but, um, you know, mm-hmm. there, there is uh, <laughs> almost every style of, um, you know, animation and just visualization is represented at some point in this game. Um, and it's all masked in this really sort of quaint and bizarre adventure game where it's like. I, uh, you know, so their goal is to inflate your soccer ball so you can play soccer and you pretty quickly realize that you're going to need to, um, find all the parts to your pump in order to fill up the soccer ball with air. So standard mm-hmm. adventure game setup, I need the pump and I need the needle. Uh, but the route that you take in order to get to that, uh, bike pump and bike needle takes you all over the place with tons of these little, um, you know, pick something up here, 
and use it over there, which normally I don't really enjoy. But something about this game, I think how quick it got you in between these things and just the absurdity of all of it. Like, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so here's what I think is is what's good about that. Like, yes, I agree that, like, um, if this game was divorced from its artistic sensibility and it's just sort of like sense of of wonder and like the, it 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 does like more like little emotional notes in unexpected places than you would think and if it was divorced from all of that this would just be a pretty bare bones uh adventure game um uh, but the adventure game stuff is a delivery mechanism mechanism for these little moments that you know that's also what the uh, the Instagram shorts are amazing at is that like they are little strange bits of animation they're eye catching they're weird there's something off putting about them and then it will take those moments and use them as a way to give you like a tiny tiny drip of something like interesting or funny or emotionally honest or like you know I'm just thinking about like the moment in this game which I think also existed in the in the shorts um, of like. Uh, the characters uh, finally get to light their little bonfire and you get this quiet moment of watching the flames, watching embers rising off of the flames and Tux and Fanny. I wish I hadn't taken a a note or a screenshot of the, of the moment, but they, they have something to, they have things to say about these little moments of like looking at nature and uh, looking at each other that are like really good i don't know what else to say there's a but then um, it's juxtaposed with you look at a flower and they say something about like the palm flower it's known for its beauty and you look at it it's it's actually a blue hand like it's dumb jokes like that next to moments about treasuring the the power of nature there's a sweetness underneath everything like i someday hope to have a friend as close as tux and fanny are to each other um it's so delightful how much they clearly love each other and you know there's all these little adventure moments we haven't really talked about the multiple character element yet but like um we'll just say it now you are controlling uh you can control tux or fanny or a cat or a flea and you can switch between them inner at any moment you just click in the thumbstick and for the most part you're just walking around as either tux or fanny it's pretty interchangeable doesn't really matter that much though it does at times but there will be certain things you get to like this bonfire that you cannot do until both of the characters are together. And that's usually some sort of sweet moment. There's also absurd stuff like, you know, Laura's talked about the palm flower or like the panda head flower um, or Mm -hmm. the skull flower that grows in graveyards. Um, And then, but there's also like equally balanced with the sweetness. There's also like a darkness that's kind of hard mm-hmm. to explain, but there's moments in this game that are just strange and a little uncomfortable. And some of it is for humor. Like, you know, there's you're constantly looking at bugs, which is great. You're also constantly looking at birds. So this is a this is a prime bird week game, by the way. A lot, oh, yeah. lot, lot, oh, yeah. lot of bird, a lot of bird stuff going on in this game. But anyway, there's this one you you open up uh, like you lift up a rock or, or I forget where this bug is, but. You look in it, it's like, oh, look at this really cool bug. It's a da-da-da-da-da, little facts about this bug. And then it gets real close to it, and it has a really nice like calligraphy uh, script along the bottom. When I'm not eating, I'm screaming. You know, and, <laughs> and it's funny, but there's like a lot of these things that are this sort of 
darkness and and, and and a little like gross, but not not like gross out humor, but like you are at you know there's a game. I can't wait to talk about the mini games, but there's a game where you're like yeah. helping a worm get through the intestines of multiple things. And this is maybe some of the most written, like some of the most detail of any of the art is the inside of these animals, you know? So you're like f- flappy bird style, getting a, a worm through the intestines of a, of a horse. And it's kind of gross. What I found fascinating is it's not, uh, sexual or violent, yeah, in any way. <laughs> but it, it's very macabre, and it's a little—it's mm-hmm. got like a goth tinge. Yeah, next to like beautiful mythical creatures and like yeah. silliness and sunshine and rainbows. And usually those are different games. Yeah, um, or the like goth stuff is paired with like other darkness. And this game has no patience for that kind of darkness. It's not. Um, this is not a game really about mental health either. It's except like they have a good friendship, but other than that, yeah. it doesn't really deal with any like bad fe- It's not a feelings game other than they have a great friendship and they feel things. But the surrealistic, like macabre is the word I keep coming back to just because it's got that dark. It's kind of like an Edward Gorey book. Yeah. Like, well, there- there's not like a. You might see a dead body, but you're not going to see a blade go into anyone's shoulder. There, there is no overarching – I at least I don't think. There is no overarching theme or story that ties all this together that makes you think like, oh, this game is trying to say something. It's more like we're going to convey a lot of different feelings and emotions in a million different ways. And it's kind of up to you to experience it how you want. Um yeah, macabre's a good word because there's also like you know talking about this darkness. There, you know, there are there's like just a severed leg in one area, and mm-hmm. you know it's like, well, how did that get there? And and the quote is something like, "Huh, I wonder where the rest of the deer is." You know, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, the, the, but it's like kind of bloody. When, and, it's, yeah, it was something like when it was attached to the deer. It- it ran elegantly through the forest, and now it's lying here. Yeah, I wonder where the rest of the deer is. And, and Well, this makes it feel like a pure adventure game in that you're yeah. actually exploring a lot of different stuff, and you're not exploring mm-hmm. one story. Like, you are truly exploring a vast world. I mean, we, uh, Nate and I both beat the game, and there's still um, like 100 points left in the point count. Yeah, let's almost. let's talk about like that re- really quick, the, the point count. I, I actually really like the point counter. Everything that you do... Um, will award you some degree of points. Um, you know, always one. No, everything is one point. Yeah, they, they'll string them together sometimes, the but, it, but it is it is always one point. You can get them in chunks, you know. But but yes, every individual it goes up one at a time, and I really like that. You know, it, it like because there's so much of this it, game. It feels very antique in that, like you know, you I've played a lot of like the old school adventure games that did have these like score systems, right? Even if you play things like the old Infocom games, yeah. for example, they always have a score at the end, and they, you know, and it depends on how many secrets you found and whatnot. And and it's kind of cool that this has that. It's it's kind of weird to see in a modern game, but it's also like telling you like there are a ton of secrets in this game. There are perhaps as many as 452 secrets in this game yeah. for you to discover and you know at any given time you can see well I have found I have found 150 out of 452 things in this game for me to find. Um 
really strange. What? And it's also got like a, a, a it's got a really interesting UI. Like you can pull up a kind of a different tracking screen at any time that lets you see things like how many birds have you seen? How many clouds have you seen? How many cat hint? Uh, what was it? Cat clues have you found? And um, and like track things that way. It uh, That all sounds a little like. <laughs> Wow, here we are talking about what a great game this is because it has uh, potentially hundreds of collectibles. This isn't really an experience like that. It's more just that like this is a game so full of a massive amount of little surprises that the game wants to it's I don't think it's giving you this interface because it expects everyone to sit down and get obsessive about find, finding every bird. I think it's more ex- it, there to like express to you that like Yes, this is a game full of wild stuff and encouraging you to turn over everything. Yeah, and that there's a lot of birds and there's a lot of bugs and there's a lot of everything. So keep looking. Um, some of them are easy to find and some of them are more rare. And it doesn't really matter, but every bird you find, you get a nice little bird animation and a funny little thing about birds. And it was fun. You know, I, it, it's, yeah, it's its own reward. Yeah, Honestly. It, yeah. it was nice. I was like, hell yeah. New bird. If collectibles had this good of a text in every game, I would be more excited. Yeah, about absolutely. But it's often an interruption to the game to like, you get a collectible and you have to go to an inventory screen and then read the one sentence paragraph. Like this one fits in the game. You move on. Well, well in the bird one too, I, I really yeah. like too, because it's, it's like, so what you know this game is in in screens, you know, you enter one and then you move into the next screen, move into the next screen like, you know, a lot of old old video games and when you enter into a screen, you'll you'll it's an audio clue whether there's a bird in there or not. And you'll hear like the different sounds of the birds and then you have to pull out your binoculars and look at them and uh I I I just like that there's this like Again, it's sort of like a mixed media way of dealing with collectibles. It's not like, oh, there's this tiny little, you know, statue that I had to climb a mountain to get to. It's like, no, I was looking for something else. I heard an interesting bird sound and got to look at a cool bird. Like, that was more fun. I'm not looking for them. I'm experiencing them as I'm exploring the world. And and mm-hmm. and I think that's what I like. I've not really run into game a game like this that I've had this similar experience where it was kind of fun just to wander around. There's a uh, Laura mentioned a a thing that both Reagan and I ran into. This game is nearly nearly flawless in its execution, but there's something that Reagan and I both ran into where you have to uh, <laughs> you have to find a um, a particular flower. It's very small and. It's random whether you find the right one, uh, and neither of us and visually on screen. And it's semi-transparent, it blue on green. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> we both, you know, struggled to find it. And uh, I just thought it was texture, right? I, I I'd seen it. I'd probably walked over sure, dozens yeah. of them over the course of the game, and I had I just assumed it was background texture. Yeah, and and I and I yeah, I never even saw them until I was told that I need to go look for them. And uh, I don't think it's a spoiler to say there's, there's a, there's a moment where you're asked to find a four leaf clover and there are clovers throughout the game, but they do not draw attention to themselves. Yeah. And uh, you have to find a specifically a four leaf clover. Uh, the clovers appear randomly and almost all of them are three leaf clovers as, as in life. Right. Um, so <laughs> yeah, the logic 
I, I the start the once you beat the game, you can look strategy guide. The logic behind when you get your four leaf clover is fair, but you have to know clovers exist. Yeah, we neither, yeah, neither of us that has the problem. Is, that's the problem. Yeah. So anyway, so um, you know, I had I I had to go and find this clover, and it, it really is just like ran. They randomly show up in the, in the screen. So your best way to find them is just keep walking around. And uh, I was like, well, I I know I need to find this thing. And I know that it's random and I could like, I don't know if this would work or not. Um, but I, I thought like, you know, I could min max this thing and just like go left and right, right at the edge of a screen until like it generates in, in there and, and whatnot and just get to it. But instead of like, well, I'm going to do what I think this game wants me to do, which is just wander around until I find that thing. And while just wandering around, I found so many other things that I would not have found if it wasn't even for this like you know mix up with the clover i ended up fighting a blue demon in a in a desert temple i found a suit oh you found that accidentally yeah yeah that's the that's how you that's the reward for finishing the scavenger hunt well, is, is figure out how to get there well, well hold you just on got it randomly. no 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 let me awesome. no no let me be clear okay so it was I while was. i was wandering around that i found those the scavenger hunt thing that led me to that, but I would not. Okay, I was not you. participating in the scavenger hunt before, um, but until I was like, yeah, I'm going to wander around. I found how to get inside of a statue. There was all this random stuff that ultimately is not for the main quest, um, and, you know, if you call it that. But like, it was some of the most fun I've had in this game, and it also made me very thankful to myself for having started this game early in our sort of review cycle, if you will, because I think this game really wants you to go at it at, at a leisurely exploratory pace. And if you're just trying to like mainline the, the goal, the quest, if you will, I, I don't think that's going to be what yeah. is the, you know, the fun way to play. This yeah. Game. So sp- speaking to that in terms of time, like we took a little bit of a gamble on this game because I was pretty sure it was a short game. Um, based on uh, Anna's recommendation and just sort of general vibe. Um, but the game had only a single playthrough logged on how long to beat, and it was listed as 20 hours. And I do believe that if somebody wanted to find literally everything in this game, and especially if they were making lighter use of the hint button than I was, uh, then it could take you 20 hours. But I, I don't know about how how long you guys, I, you guys both completed the game. I am, I think probably a handful of minutes away from completing the game. Yeah, if I, I, think if you I are. am estimating right. Um, and I'm at about five and a half or six hours on my play clock. I don't know wh- what you guys ended up at. Well, I spent over an hour beating the stupid fire platformer that I really enjoyed for no reason. And then I also spent <laughs> another like, yeah, that's, that's an element I didn't spend quite as much time playing the computer. We need to talk about the computer games uh, and the uh, and the bookshelf. I want to talk ahead, about sorry. those next, but I, I sank some time into some of the extracurricular activities in this game. So I think I'm at like eight or nine hours, but I also I'm at uh, when I you know finished the main story, I was at three hundred and forty out of four hundred and fifty two points. Um, and I think I know like a whole bunch of stuff that I could still go and do. So, um, and I like yeah, have all I mean, the pieces for it. So I'm pretty sure I could get into the 400s pretty quickly based off of where I'm at right now. Yeah, I'm at 389, and I'd nice. say at about seven hours. But those are two like plain 
rides. So yeah. that's kind of like a different way of playing where you're just kind of running around. And I, I think the if I cared about like advancing the plot, like if I actually had that, I need to escape the room mentality in this game, I think I would have been miserable. But because I was on a plane and I needed this, like I just didn't want the battery to die. Yeah. <laughs> I was like happy to wander around. And although I'll say a thing this does respect your time, you use a thing. You're pretty sure you're done with it. Yes. You beat a computer game. You know you don't have to keep completing it. You finish, like you use a tool. You're pretty sure you don't need that tool again. Like, I appreciate that. Yes, it'll often remove it from your inventory, which is nice because there is a lot of, um, you know, this felt very old school adventure gaming to me where you go up to a thing and you're like, okay, I know that I need to interact with this thing in some way. Um, I've got a whole bunch of items in my inventory. One of them has got to be the right thing to interact with this. And this game is absurd enough that it's not always going to be any sort of direct logical thing where you're like, it, it often is relatively logical, but not always. So it incentivizes you to walk up and be like, well, I'm going to try to use this uh, hot pepper on this frog. Nope. No, that didn't work. <laughs> okay. You know, I, and uh, I'm a- 99% of the time it's a logical thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's the stuff that you expect. It's like give honey to bear to distract it. That kind of thing. Yeah. But sometimes it's a funny thing. Yeah. It's right. often a logical thing, but it's not just enough to, at least for me, to make me think like, all right, there's oh, a lizard. Did you figure you know, out where to use that hot pepper? I did, and I don't want to. And that was very random. Yep, and so that's one that's in my top of mind when I talk about the like absurdity of this game. We won't spoil it, but the hot pepper is used in a very strange way. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, I haven't tried that yet, so yeah, uh, thank yeah. you. Looking forward to that. Uh, so I, I, I do want to talk about. Um, and you, you just mentioned it. There, there's two things I think we have to talk about. One is the video games and then two, and, and really just the computer in general. And then two, the hint system, I think we should come back around on because mm-hmm. like for me, you know, this I think is what moved this game into just pure enjoyment because I've said a couple of times, I don't really like adventure games like this, but this game has a really simple and fun hint system that also doesn't make you feel like you're just like cheating over and over or like looking up a strategy guide over and over and over. Um, basically you mm-hmm. can, you can uh, press in the, at least on switch, you can press in the right joystick and whatever character you are controlling will essentially have like a thought bubble about what they think they should do next. And sometimes it's, pretty specific but it's usually more like i really need to use the bathroom and <laughs> that was exactly what i was thinking yeah. too it was like at some point you, oh, you wow. hit the button and it's just thinking they need to pee yeah and it's like okay what happens if i go try to pee yeah, see i didn't use it until it got to the very uh unspecific end game one yeah which is like wonder what's going on here the last I, one I, is I, not helpful at all and i and that's you know by design i think but there's all the but way up there's and, a bookshelf yeah there is mm-hmm. um yeah 
I got to talk about the bookshelf because it's one of the most like l- like loving, generous inclusions in a video game that I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like it's great. The, so the, in, in their little cottage, uh, you know, they've got a downstairs where they've got all their their, their kitchen and everything and the, and the computer, which we'll talk about again in a minute. And uh, but uh, then upstairs, they've got their bookshelf and you can walk up to the bookshelf and uh, look at the books. And there are something like 30 books on this bookshelf and each and every one of them is something that you can read. Um, some of them are game related. So there's like an instruction manual that is literally the instruction manual for the Tux and Fanny video game is right there. Um, or like references that give you recipes. There's a sort of a extremely simplistic crafting system. That's mostly optional that you can uh, use in the shed. And, you know, if you look through the books, you'll find things like hints on secret codes or recipes for the crafting system, that kind of thing. Um, but even those very basic things are like illustrated. They're, they're little books with text and images and they're fun to look at. But then if you click on more books, then there are two pages of more books, uh, including, uh, for one thing, the entire text of the novel Moby Dick is included. <laughs> so if you ever wanted to read uh, Herman Melville's uh, epic of of whale slaughter on your Nintendo Switch, uh, you can do that via uh, this. It's what a value! If you ever wanted to read Moby Dick on your Switch, you can you can do the entire book here. <laughs> um, but all of the other books are like little books that I assume were either made for this game or maybe made by. Uh, you know, zinesters or something. Uh, yeah, that, that there's a um, folks are. I don't. Are, 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 I don't know how it's sourced, but um, in the credits there is a a big list of like thank yous to people for book editions. Uh, now that said, though, uh, if you're a fan of fake names, this game is chock full of them, and I I assume because it's the credits that it's actual people that they are thanking. But uh, all over this game is books with names, video games with names, all sorts of media that is attributed to people. And it's at least I believe all of it is fake names, especially the video games, because there's some very funny. Here are here are some of the titles of the books, just to give you a taste. Uh, we've got books with titles such as uh, Dinner with Your Ghost, Letters to Baby Animals. Uh, a little green goblin burrow. A little green goblin burrowed under my skin. <laughs> Animal problems, which is a personal favorite. Animal problems is just a uh, a series of pictures of animals with problems and a description of their problems, such as this bear is lost. Should have brought a map. <laughs> or this fish can't pay the bills. It will probably have to declare bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. It's w- wonderful. And these things are the sort of thing. That, like if you went to like a. Um, like I, when I was reading through these, uh, and I didn't read all of them. There's a lot. Um, I, it made me think about like uh, a little while ago. Shane uh, dragged me to like Houston's Zine Fest, which is like a little like z- basically like Zine art uh, like swap meet kind of thing where people who make various different kinds of uh, of specifically like zines and art books and things like that all kind of show up together to swap them and sell them and, and show off their work. And literally everything here is the kind of thing that I would pay like five bucks for a little copy of at a zine mm-hmm. fest or something. Yeah. They're all great. They're all like uh, illustrated in very quirky ways. Um, and I do think probably by a bunch of different people, yeah. I think they probably like, you know, contacted all their artist buddies and said, you want to make something cool. And there are bonuses for the games mm-hmm. in there too, yeah. but like, but but it's the kind of game that rewards you 
for looking at something for fun and then there's a secret not the kind of game you should look through everything for a secret and not enjoy the book like that's the vibe it's going for uh the lusty argonian maid has has nothing on (laughs) tucks and fanny it's it's another exactly laura what you were just saying like you know this is this game wants you to just explore and and giggle and if you're trying to play this with any sort of like i'm gonna go through this bookshelf and find all the all the secrets and find all the new items from it. Then I think you're missing the point. You know, you should really just be reading the book and, and laughing because they are almost all of them. If not funny, they're just absurd and interesting to look at. And there's a lot of interesting art in them. I, I, this was another thing that I spent, you know, a bunch of time in that normally in a game, I'd feel some sort of pressure. Like, well, I don't really like collectibles. I don't really like reading. You know, I'm not a person who, you know, plays a game and sifts through all the lore books that are in these games and, you know, like all the stuff that you can just find in drawers and whatnot. I'm not really into it very often, but in this game, I was like, yeah, like this is hilarious or strange or whatever. I mean, this game is very much like uh, having a smorgasbord in front of you. You can have a lot of little things. It's not going to be trying to feed you like 18 meals at once. I think what I really enjoy is, I don't get to play games with this kind of uh, attention to collectibles, all of these books, all of these games, which we'll go into in a second, because often those are individually hour-long time sinks, and the game is 60 hours. So I never get to play stuff with this kind of attention to collectibles because it's either too short to include it uh, or – such light additions it's not integral or it's like it's super integral to the world and it's spider-man and <laughs> i'm never gonna finish it so it, it felt really um significant to me that i was enjoying the collectibles and the mini games as much as i was because i don't like that might be normal for people who play 60 hour games all the time but i don't yeah so i loved it by, by the way just while before we go off of the topic of of the books i i, I I had a thought while I was going through the bookshelf that I just I'm I'm dying to know. So I don't know what the process is where that for Nintendo um, okaying content on their store. Like I I know that they you know, obviously the ESRB has human beings that review um, the content of games, um, and I I think Nintendo has some level of that them, that they do themselves. I'm not really sure, but while I was going through the books in this, I just could not stop cackling at the idea that someone at Nintendo had to sit down and read the entirety of Moby Dick <laughs> to make sure that, <laughs> no way. that it was okay. There's no way they did. They probably I had to go through, or they had to be, flip but... through every page to make sure there wasn't like a dick pick in it. Yeah. Just, just, just got to flip through it to make sure that, that nobody had edited extra like F words into Moby Dick or something. <laughs> Maybe. I hope so. I hope so. Um, I hope I hope they buried something really vile in chapter eighty three yeah. of Moby Dick or something. <laughs> That's but, so but then, I don't know, man. I feel bad for that person who is reading Moby Dick on their Switch. There's there hey. is someone out there. You know, there's someone doing it. Oh sure, yeah. sure. I mean, I don't know. I'm not playing this on Switch. I'm playing this on on PC. And obviously, there's lots of ways to read. But uh, but I I was I was surprised to see that it saved my place. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> forward to about chapter eight in Moby Dick. Closed it, came back days later. Nice. And, hey, it saved my spot in Moby there Dick. You so go. Uh, it'd be impossible if it didn't. They want they mm-hmm. clearly, you know. W- so knowing that that it saved your spot, they were like, 
well, if we're going to do this, we need to make it at least usable, you know? So that's, that's very funny. <laughs> Got to make sure somebody can read Moby Dick on their <laughs> You mentioned uh, the Spider-Man games, which I love. And it's another game that it's maybe the only other game that I've gone uh, like four collectibles in. And the reason I like them in that game is because that game mechanically is just so fun. And the collectibles usually uh, just have you do the mechanics more. And so that is fun. Um, and this game is kind of like the inverse where there is no real mechanics. Um, just what you get, the, the thing that you collect is like a joke or a, like a goofy experience. Um, but on that, I think I want to talk about the, the video games that you find throughout the game. Mm -hmm. Um, so in a number of ways you encounter floppy disks, uh, sometimes through achieving things, Sometimes they are just laying on the ground um, or they're triggered by some sort of world event. And the game is usually some extension of something you just did. Like there's, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about birds and we've talked a lot about bugs, but there's also clouds. Um, and there are these patches of grass that uh, are like a little, it, the animate, you know, the drawing makes you think they're like, it's a little bit more lush grass. And anytime you see it, you can lay in the grass and look at a, a cool cloud. And the clouds are like, this cloud looks like a computer or this cloud looks like a turtle. And it's just like a full on computer turtle in the sky. But anyway, uh, you know, in one of those, you get a game called Cool Cloud, where uh, after you look at the enough clouds, you get a video game called Cool Cloud, which you can go and play. And it's it's an incredibly simple game that just has you controlling a cloud and either going to drop rain or wind onto different things that need rain or wind. So like a building is on fire and you just go and rain. There's sound effects for every yeah. pixel you move over. And you just drop rain on it. And most of the games are not any actual challenge. They're just silly and quick. Cool cloud, you will be in like three minutes. And you get a button when it's done. Um, one of my favorite games is... Uh, Shoot, and a storm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that actually – so Cool Cloud is a particular one because it actually has, like, ramifications for the game. But most of them don't. Um, there's one that's called uh, Re Reliable Robot, um, mm -hmm. which was – The hardest video game in the universe. Yeah, which was one of my favorite ones. You control a massive robot that uh, it says, like – Jeffrey needs. I'm realizing. I th I don't think I got nearly as many of the games as you did. I don't think I got reliable. Robot. So you get it towards the end. You have to buy it. Oh, okay, you have okay. to buy it. From you have to buy yeah. it um, by doing all your stuff. So reliable robot will say, uh, Jeffrey needs help with his taxes, and then what you do is just step on Jeffrey and kill him, and then it'll be like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got you've got these those kind of dangly legs you get, yeah. Where like you move the legs one at a time, and your body doesn't quite follow. And all you can do is try to walk with each joystick moving one leg, yeah. and you're going to knock a building over and crush all these uh, yeah, people. Yeah, it'll be like because they're tiny. Sarah is struggling with depression. Can you help her? And then you just step on Sarah or knock a building onto Sarah. Uh, and, and there's like, <laughs> I, I, it counts every time you help someone. And I got into the fifties well, before I was like, 
All right, I, I've, I've helped enough people, uh, but it's like after ten, <laughs> it says <laughs> people say you're great, but they really don't need your help anymore. And but you know, humans always need more help. Humans always <laughs> need more help, and you just keep helping them uh, by just crushing them. And and like the list of the problems that they're having, like I got into the fifties, and I think there were a couple re- repeats, but not many, and it was all just like. Uh, Craig is running for office. Help him win, you know. And then you're just. Oh, like, but then <laughs> the names also get increasingly weird. Yeah. It's like Susan, but it's spelled like S O Z O N. Yeah, it's it's N. So a lot of the games are that. There's also, um, you know, there are some like good little micro games in there. There's a um, like a tractor game that was like a, a little puzzle style game where. Um, it's on a grid and you have a certain amount of moves and you have to have the tractor um, cover enough ground and you know, there's obstacles and it wasn't extremely challenging, but it was still sort of like a puzzle, you know, that you had to solve. Or um, there was a little platformer that had, I thought, a relatively interesting mechanic, which is that uh, the, it's like called Fire Guy or, or Pyro. Pal- family? Fire, family. Fire, family. Fire Family. Fire Family. Yeah. And um, save baby fire. Yeah. And uh, so, like, the mechanic is that everything uh, you as the fire sprite touches catches on fire, and that basically is a countdown that that part of the platform is going to burn and disappear. So you there, you can't go backwards at all. Everything you touch is going away. And they complicate that by adding all these different elements that make it where you have to move fast or, like, try to retrace your steps but you've already burnt away most of your steps. So um, it was a good little mechanic, not one that's going to sustain an entire platforming game, but they do. um, There's 15 levels of it that get increasingly difficult. And the last several levels I thought were really challenging. And I, you know, I love a platformer. So I was like, I'm going to beat this stupid little game. And I spent way too long, uh, uh, you know, playing it, but I got a little button when it, in a point. <laughs> so it was, it was worth it, I guess, but it was fun, you know, and, and I enjoyed it. And so there's, I don't know, probably 20 something of these little games that are available. Um, yeah. The variety is what's really impressive. Yeah. About it. Not all of them are bangers. There's, there's a game that's like, uh, you're a car with arms and legs and have to, was it like catch bird poop? It's you, like not it's exactly. Avoid yeah, avoid, uh, yeah. However, yeah. Oh, that's it. Play Agile Auto because I didn't play that until after I beat the game, and uh, I'll just say it speeds up the game quite a bit if you know yeah. after it unlocks some stuff. So, like, just pro tip: I guess like, I didn't play long enough. Yeah, <laughs> um, you beat the high score. I liked that. Okay, I liked okay. the ant, and then game. thank me later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the ant one was I, so I didn't get to um, some the of the ones game. you were describing. I loved the ant game. It's a little slow. But it, you, you're kind of um, it, it's like this top down view of a very large sort of picnic scene and uh, and you play as a huge swarm of ants that gets bigger and bigger as you find more ants and collect more food. And um, it, it's the kind of thing where, like, I could see that being a really good game if the mechanics were a little more fleshed out or something, right. um, at, you know, in multiple levels. But like I had fun just swarming a bunch of ants and watch it. You know, the swarming tech or whatever was pretty solid. Yeah. I thought it was great. Well, and yeah, that, that it was I really enjoyed that one. Um, and so I tried to take the the stance in this game that whenever I would find a game, I would play it and I would try to beat it. I didn't beat all of them. Um, I did not get the high score on the avoid the bird poop game, um, but I know what you're talking about. I didn't either. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Until I went back and 
read the yeah. strategy guide, and the first page it says like before you want to read actual hints, like did you play all yeah, of? Yeah, it tells you what cool games. cloud. Yeah. It's like it's like please play cool cloud and please play agile auto. Right, and then it's like go read the rest if you want, but like that's there. Yeah. Non-spoiler huh. tip, which is why I don't feel bad telling folks right. now. Like, you, there's no hints on the internet for this game, so like you're yeah, welcome. Not at this point. Your only Wh- which is hints. why it's nice that the game does include a strategy guide, but it doesn't let you read the strategy guide until you have until you've completed the game yeah. at least to some degree. So, right. it's I think the, the strategy guide is mostly there uh, to help folks who want to be more completionist after they've done the basics, yeah, which is um, nice. But yeah. Again, the hint system in this is like really solid. There's probably going to be a couple places where you get stuck, like Nate and I did with the Clover. Um, but more or less, this game really wants you to succeed, unlike a lot of the older uh, adventure games that it is imitating slash parodying. So yeah, um, there was a um, it's in your corner. There was a game in there that I did not beat, but I enjoyed. But it mostly reminded me like there's all these little references I think to old games. We've already talked about a number of them, but one of them um, maybe. I, I could have just looked this up, but maybe either of you will remember this game. It was, I think it was an old windows game that basically like you're going through a maze. Um, that is yes. Like the 3d maze. Yeah. The 3d the, maze game. The, uh, oh, on whatever version saver. of windows yes. also had the Weezer video on yes. it. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's that version of windows so, had that maze game. On that's it. so funny. Uh, Laura, that I, I remember going to a computer store and like, 1995 or whatever with my dad to get a new PC and they had the one that was playing Buddy Holly by Weezer and it was the most amazing thing that I had ever seen. I could not believe that a computer could play a music video like that. But anyway, I can't believe it shipped with a copy of it. Like, yeah. That is yeah. Great. Well, it was, you know, this was definitely a display. The magic yeah. of CD-ROM yeah. technology. Um, mm. And and it, so that, that maze game that I feel like, you know, most people, uh, you know, who, been into computers of our age and above, you know, interacted with that game at some point, like the pinball game and like ski free, you know, all these like classic games, but I never see that maze game in anything anymore. Uh, and I'm, there's a game in here that, um, it doesn't have the same mechanic Instead, you're carrying around a bat and you're breaking, uh, priceless vases and fighting off like a weird puppet named Herbert. Um, but it is, I did not play, play this one. one yet. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, but it's like, it looks exactly like it. You know, it's the, like, although ski free does show up. I don't know if you guys found. No, that. I didn't get to ski free. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. There's so many, there's so many mini games in this game. It's, it's astonishing. How many yeah. There That's are. the thing because I'm at like 389. I'm pretty sure I could keep going, especially with the hints and like probably wouldn't be more than. 10 or 12. Yeah. So like, I, I still think even if I completed it, it would still be in the short game boundaries. Yeah, I think so. Oh so. yeah. 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 Um, yeah, for sure. You know, this game has a, um, because of all these mini games, you know, there, there is sort of like a WarioWare vibe to this game too, where you're just like constantly doing little micro things that you're never going to do again, you know? And, and even like we're talking about the computer games, um, but there's a lot of just like tiny little animations that you have to control that almost act as like little cut scenes. You know, if you're, um, you know, there's a part where you have to like cut down a tree and it doesn't just cut down the tree. 
the screen changes to where it's like a zoom in and you're holding the axe and you have to move the axe over to the tree and hit a, a number of times, like, you know, thunk, thunk, thunk and cut down the tree. And it expands on that a lot to where you're constantly doing these little tiny maneuvers with their hands or, or whatever to, to accomplish your goal. And it adds again, another level of this, like little bit of variety. It's just constantly changing. There's something different and they're all either really fun or so quick that it doesn't really matter whether it was fun. It was something different. <laughs> I mean, hell, you walk by a log and you can just pet it for a while and then yeah. it doesn't seem to do anything and then you just leave. Like, I, I think that's. Yeah. Feels fuzzy. Did you pet the bunny? Feels fuzzy. Hmm? I did not get to pet the bunny. I, you can find a no. rabbit hole and it says like, there's a rabbit, probably a rabbit lives here. Yeah. I hope I can pet it one day. And I was like, when will I pet the bunny? And I never found the bunny. It was very satisfying to pet the bunny. And I was wondering if, uh, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, I wonder what I'm going to get. And then sometimes it was just like, ah, the experience was what you got. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's nice, though. It's nice. Yeah, I, I know I did find a couple, like, secrets I don't even want to spoil yeah. for you guys. Because I feel like I'm going to oh, – this is also feels like a good – wandering game i mean i wander around breath of the wild sometimes but it also feels very like mission driven like i'm going to go on mm -hmm. a hunting there's no grinding in this game <laughs> no yeah i uh um, no, just uh just sort of chill exploration with occasional uh undertones of morbidity <laughs> mm -hmm. what a great game it's a hang it is a hang I don't know if there's much else we can say about it. I think we kind of kind of got it, but uh, I want to briefly recap this game. Uh, Tux and Fanny is available on Nintendo Switch and also on itch.io. If you're a PC player, it is not on Steam at this point. I'm not sure if they have plans for other, uh, other storefronts, but they have brought it uh, so far exclusively to itch.io, which is the first time I've seen that pairing uh, of Switch and itch. And I thumbs up from me. Um, and it's 10 bucks on both platforms. Um, it plays great either way. If you're on PC, you get the choice of playing with mouse and keyboard or uh, gamepad, and the game plays perfectly fine either way. Um, we didn't really mention this, but it has a really uh, kind of unusual UI where it the game is like the film and like the Instagram shorts, it's presented in a one, one ratio square in the center of your screen. Um, and that gives it a bunch of space on the sides to show you a guide to the controls at all times. So you'll never forget what the button is to bring up the list of all of the record albums you've collected to choose your soundtrack, for example, uh, or to jump into your list of, uh, how many clouds you've seen because the button will be right there for you. Um, but also it's not point and click. It is designed for you to play it uh, like either on a gamepad or with like an arrow arrow keys kind of setup, um, which is a little bit not what I was expecting. So it's uh, it plays great on a gamepad. I played a significant amount of this on a gamepad. If you're on a switch, uh, probably a great platform for it. Um, mentioned the price 10 bucks. I think it's very well worth the 10 bucks. This is a really yeah. weird and interesting thing. And uh, and when you think about it, uh, you know, Play the game for 10 bucks, and you've also got a free ticket to watch <laughs> the entire sequel film, uh, Tux and Fanny, on Vimeo uh, as well. I'll try to have a link in the show notes to the uh, the feature film version. Uh, they, they share a lot of bits in common, but they are different. So you'll notice there'll, there'll be bits in the game that have uh, a sort of an echo or sort of similar moment 
uh, in the film, but the film has a bunch of stuff that's not in the game and vice versa as well. There's no boss fights in the film yeah. as far as I know. I, uh, I suggested on the Discord that we watch it and do an episode for the Patreon about this movie. And now I'm saying it to hold ourselves accountable because I want to watch this and – you know, I, I think we should we should watch it and and talk about it. Have a have a chat. Have a chat about, about the movie. That'd be fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I want to watch. Uh, um, oh, what was it called? Uh, Silvio about the small town. Gorilla. I do too. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I might be uh, putting that up on my. We didn't uh, even mention TV the fact tonight. that they seem to speak Russian. Or we some... didn't talk about the weird voices. My <laughs> what God, what is this? Uh, the voices are all, so it is Russian. It the, is Russian. The, um, in the film, it's just straight up Russian. I think in the game, it's doing. I, I don't speak enough. I don't even it, know what Russian sounds like well enough to know. But, but, whether but actual Russian. But it's all yeah. that kind of sing songy. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Yes, just wanted to mention that before we finish. It is voice acted. It's, <laughs> it's yeah. voice acted, but in it, even weird the film Russian. has a weird sound to it that sounds a bit like a like a like an auto generated voice. Although I believe it is actually voice acted. I'm I'm honestly not sure with the game whether those are humans. Or a computer uh, talking. It, the voice is so strange. At times, it sounds like a voice in reverse. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I it's got that weird uh, red room David Lynch stuff yeah. to it. Yeah. So, like the 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 film really sounds a lot more just like straight Russian with a weird affect. I think they're doing something more computery here, like yeah. reversed or I don't I don't even know. It's hard to say. Um, sounds Russianish. That's part of why I thought like the. The film has that that vibe of like a weird Eastern block cartoon. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen those? Like sometimes sometimes people will post on Reddit and stuff like here's a weird children's cartoon from the Soviet Union. And they all have this like bizarre, like lo-fi, low budget, like they feel like for they're from another planet kind of vibe to them. Children's television from the Soviet Union was extraordinarily strange. No, I've not seen any of that, but uh I'll try and find yeah, it. I, but, I I can't think of any specific examples at the moment, but like this has that vibe to me. And it's not just the fact that it's the language, it's also just sort of like the the like like low rent animation uh combined with like like something slightly off about it. Um it's it's really anyway, doesn't matter, but yeah, weird voices. <laughs> Thank you, Laura, for reminding us to talk about the weird voices. <laughs> I feel, Anything else to say uh, about Toxicity? I feel like we could just keep doing that. Like, oh, what about, you know, and then yeah. we could just keep yeah. going. Um, but no, I, I think, you know, if you're still listening, you know, you you have to have some degree of interest in this game. I think we're giving this a, a, a full-throated recommendation. Um, yeah. You know, even... Like myself, I did not expect to like this game, so I would uh, I would definitely give it a shot if if it even sounds mm-hmm. somewhat interesting to you. Totally. So while we've got just a couple of minutes before uh, Nate has to run to a work event, uh, <laughs> let's take a second to talk about what's making us happy this week while we've still got him. Nate, what's making you happy this week? Well, Reagan, as always, a lot of things are making me happy, but right now I am I've got one thing on top of mind that's making me happy, and that is central heating. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, uh, about two weeks ago, our furnace broke in the middle of the winter, and uh, it got real cold. It got really cold in our house. Um, and I've never been so cold as when I lived in St. Louis. It's, it's bad <laughs> it, there. It's bad. It was fortunately a 
uh, you know, not a horrible uh, part. Like right now, like right now outside, it's somewhere around six degrees. Um, fortunately, during this week, it was in at night. It was in the twenties, and in the day, it was up to the forties. Um, but we, uh, you know, we made the decision that like we've got our cat and we've got all these like house plants and our 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 two kids. Like it felt like a lot to go to like an. Uh, hotel or like an Airbnb for like four days um, while our house just froze over. So we decided to uh, hunker down. Um, we lo- we got, we went and bought another space heater, um, like basically moved all the plants, the cat, the kids, everyone into this like two rooms of our, of our house uh, covered the window or the doors with like towels and stuff. And, uh, fortunately, uh, we did send our older daughter to go stay with her grandma for a couple days. Um, but we basically just huddled together and braved through the winter while we waited for our HVAC person to come and replace our furnace, which is never something that you are planning for or hoping for. Um, so it was quite the experience. Molly did a great job of um, kind of getting all the stuff together for us to be able to to manage, and then we got it replaced. And I don't think I've ever been happier than feeling that warm air coming through the vents oh, after a great team of people came and spent twelve hours at our house uh, fixing it. So or replacing, we got to, had to get a new furnace, um, and it was great. So modern technology and heating—that's <laughs> uh, what's making me happy. Thank you for asking. Awesome. I'm glad you're warm. Made it. I'm, I'm glad your cats and house plants made it. Everyone made it. Mine's a little bit more trivial than that, but I was going to call out a nice gift that I got hey, from Shane. All right. um, Shane hey. dropped by and we had, I guess part of what's making me happy is we had a nice little movie night. He and his kid and his wife came uh, out to our place and we had a nice little movie night where we all, um, had some Mexican food and, and sat and watched, uh, we watched uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, which uh, my kid has been on a weird uh, Spider-Man kick ever since she spent uh, a little time in the hospital and the, the terrible little uh, Spider-Man uh, TV show on Disney Junior was on constantly. It's like Spidey and his amazing friends. Uh, Laura, you yes. gasped like you. No, were I gasped because I realized your little girl looks like the little girl in Spider Verse, and I was I wanted I was so excited oh. on her behalf. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess. Now that wasn't that wasn't related. I mean, she's but not Japanese, was, but yeah. No, but yeah. The um, so she's um, uh, she got really into Spidey and his amazing friends on Disney Junior, which is like a uh, like Spider Man dumbed down for the for the Paw Patrol set, and um, so uh, you know we decided that we could watch that and it was it was a great time anyway that's not the thing that was making me happy although it did um it was uh that uh shane delivered a gift to me that he had bought a while ago and it's this thing which i'm holding up which isn't very good radio it's a uh, tetris micro arcade uh this is basically like an off-branded version of the ardu uh, ardu boy which was like a if you're familiar with that then you already know what i'm talking about and likely you don't so i'll have to explain anyway the ardu boy is a kind of a little open source uh, video game handheld the size of a small stack of credit cards uh, that's based on an Arduino. It's all open source hardware. But this is a sort of like commercial version of that that just runs Tetris. So it's a tiny, like maybe the size of like four credit cards stacked on top of one another little handheld that has that charges over USB and just plays Tetris. And it plays a pretty decent version of Tetris with a tiny little color screen 
and little clicky buttons that are little micro switches. Uh, and Shane and I have been competing to see, uh, to, you know, to try to beat each other's high scores on this thing. And it's actually like, I, I'm really surprised how decent this thing is. Apparently it's like 15 bucks or less on Amazon or whatever. Um, if you want a kind of a desk toy that just plays Tetris, well, I think my number one recommendation would be pick up an old Game Boy, but it's number two recommendation would be this thing, the Tetris Micro Arcade, which is very inexpensive, you know, USB powered, and it runs forever on battery for on, on a charge. And uh, it's just a nice, cute little way to have like Tetris always within reach. Um, recommend it. Yeah, that's great. And uh, I, I'm, I think I need to pick one up. I'm always uh, fidgeting with stuff around my desk. So maybe I'm stacking some Tetromino tetronomos would be uh tetronomos tetronomos uh and also uh reagan laura and i actually had already seen that when we recorded the episode without you a few weeks ago shane was telling us how how shane previewed it he was how excited he was to give that to you so we're we're getting the oh that's funny we're getting the full it was i didn't listen that no no it was pre-recorded no no this was just okay okay so i was like i edited that episode i don't remember (laughs) well we we didn't record it because you edited the episode you didn't want to spoil the gift yeah oh funny okay okay it's funny yeah. All right. Well, hey, good, good gift, Shane. Uh, Laura, what's making you happy? So I also have a physical thing. Uh, it's not one I think uh, for once. It's not something that Reagan and Nate will want to turn and buy, but this will benefit somebody. I'm actually really happy because a cool college girl told me my nails looked good, and I had never <laughs> oh, have good nice. nails. And this is specifically because I um, over Christmas I started. I I, I took me like till I was twenty to stop biting my nails. I finally stopped. And then of course like I go home for Christmas during a pandemic and I get stressed out and I start biting them again. So yeah. I thought I should cover them. That's the only way I don't bite them. Uh, but uh, manicures are incredibly expensive. And so I, I went to like, I was influenced by somebody who was like, there's a thing you can put on top of nail polish that you can paint your non-dominant hand with. It's a big, like, pink thing it's called the poppy by a company called olive and june and you're like is this really worth 18 bucks it's a piece of rubber that fits exactly on top of the nail polish lid so you can then paint like with without getting nail polish all over yourself because that's Mm. the issue is you look like an idiot so (laughs) i actually have like i went to this wedding last weekend and i had done like gold tips off like opalescent things because i paint like a lisa frank kid like i'm like (laughs) hey i can do colors and i put all of them on at once and she was like wow that's such a cool manicure and i was like did it myself she was like you can do french tips by yourself and i was like yeah because i bought a thing thing that does it on that well like a thing like it's like painting because now i can hold it like a claw yeah and i don't get it all over myself so um, I will hold up my pretty nails to the camera. Mm, nice. Um, anyway, it's dumb, but like French tips cost 10 bucks extra on top of like a $40 manicure. Yeah. And I got the nail polish and the poppy for like 20 bucks total. So Hell I'm feeling yeah. like Love the a, smartest person on the planet right Love now. Love a deal. And and we spend, um, you know, we spend a lot of time on this show talking about mean teens and spooky mm-hmm. teens you know, and I like it's, a nice teen. It's nice to find a nice teen, you know, well with the world these days. Yeah. So the thing that defines mean teens from nice teens is whether they compliment them. <laughs> 100%. So what I'm really praising is like, yes, this is a product recommendation, but really I'm 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 telling you 
all the teenagers listening to go compliment somebody older than you who's going to glow about it for a week afterwards. Nice. I, I, I completely feel that. I, I, I often like, I have to talk about how like, um, uh, I, I relate this to men, although I think it probably applies to just people in our, our age group generally this at, by this point is that like people don't get compliments anymore. I know I don't get compliments, certainly not from strangers and even from the people in my life. Like, you know, they take you for granted and, and, you know, um, and, uh, so like, that's why like you can be a, like a 35 year old guy, <clears throat> not me. And, uh, just like think every week for 10 years about the one time somebody, uh, in a bar said to their friend, not even you, as you pass by on the way to the bathroom, Oh, hey, look, there's that good shirt guy. <laughs> ah. I'm like, yeah, that's right. I am good shirt guy. I did have on a good shirt that day. Thank you. And I've thought about that every day for years. Like, hey, hey Reagan. Compliments are powerful. Yes. Hey, Reagan. Great. I really like that shirt you're wearing. Thank you, Nate. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. You, you look really good in your shirt, too, Nate. Thank you. Yeah, and nice glasses. Oh, they're new. Mm-hmm. This is gonna carry me. I thought they yeah, might be. This new. is gonna carry me for. This is really good radio. <laughs> you look like you got a haircut, Nate. This is healthy. Did you get a haircut? No, but I just my hair is a mess, and you know, just will look different different days. So, um, but all right, this is good. This is healthy, Laura. I loved the nails. They look Thank great. You. Never, they're very proud beautiful. Of them. Mm-hmm. All right. Anybody else want to uh, <laughs> jump in on like, this? One? I was going to say, <laughs> if you want to email us compliments, please. <laughs> Listeners, come to our Discord where you can provide us with compliments. That, yeah. We may compliment uh, you, we'll too. Compliment. You can find our show on the internet yeah. at www.theshortgame.net. You can find our contact form there. You'll find all of the contact options, links to everything. Uh, link to our Patreon, patreon.com slash theshortgame. The show is supported by our patrons. Every time you give us $1, it is a compliment. Thank you. We appreciate that very much. Um, every patron gets immediate access to our Discord, which is a community where we talk about the show, where we plan episodes, where we uh, mostly take suggestions. Uh, uh, from our listeners for what to play. Uh, and uh, it's a great place to ask us questions because we're trying to implement a new question and segment on the show to augment our uh, our what's making us happy segments. Uh, but uh, we have gotten a... Uh, we've, we've answered them all. So please, we need a new, <laughs> new load of questions. Thank you for, for bringing them. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at underscore short game. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Uh, Nate, where can people find you? On Twitter at Nate STL. And Laura, where can people find you? At Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And listeners, thank you once again for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. <laughs>